0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Carolyn Whitico Art Podcast, where we talk all things art, business, travel, creativity, and inspiration. Today, we're going to talk about how networking plays a huge role in every artist's journey, and I'm going to spill the tea on the latest and greatest chapter of my journey. So first, let me give you the giant life update. All right, are you ready? It is a giant one, (laughs) and I feel like I've been hinting at it. On social media and on the previous episode of the podcast, so I'm very excited to announce that I am officially a crafter with my own permanent booth at the Renaissance Festival. And in addition to that, I acquired another business. So this is fucking huge for me. Um, I am ecstatic about this. This has been months and years in the making, and I finally sealed the deal, so I'm very proud of myself, and I'm like ecstatic basically. So this year I bought a business called Tapestry of Ravenstone. I have never bought out someone from their business before, so that was a whole ordeal that deserves its own episode and someday I'll do one on that. But what it means is I'll be operating the booth at the Renaissance Festival selling Tapestry of Ravenstone products along with some new products that I'll be introducing as well. Tapestry of Ravenstone sells, you guessed it, tapestries. It's a beautiful art form and i've truly gone down a giant rabbit hole learning all about jacquard weaving belgian history and the supply chain of tapestry fabrics as it looks today basically i have so much to tell you about (laughs) it's overwhelming so i figured i'd better start now or else i'm like never going to tell you guys all the details and i really want to spill all the beans on this So, of course, A Cup of Cloudy will still reign supreme as its own business, and in fact, over time, I actually plan to dissolve the Tapestry of Ravenstone name altogether and create a new branch of A Cup of Cloudy that will simply be called A Cup of Cloudy Tapestries. My art business pretty much is absorbing another artist's business. I'll still have my prints, mugs, calendars, and all that, and I'll be adding tapestries with my original designs into the online shop eventually as well, which is already proving to be a challenging and a very cool artistic adventure, turning my designs into tapestries. Um, That also deserves its own episode. (laughs) But at the Renaissance Festival, for now, I'll only be selling tapestries there, so I won't be selling my mugs, calendars, or anything like that. The absorption process is lengthy, and there are some contracts to be fulfilled before it can fully be integrated, and in time I'll give you guys all those details too. But for right now, I want to discuss the topic of the day, which is how networking plays a huge role in every artist's journey. And to highlight this message, I'm going to tell you the long and winding story of how I ended up in a position to actually buy a man's business from him like, wow, (laughs) I've really outdone myself. So I feel like I just need to give a backstory on how I even ended up here. So let's start at the beginning. If you followed this podcast from the start, you know my art journey has not always been rainbows and butterflies. Let's go back to that tough beginning era. I had quit my job a few months earlier. I was not just struggling, but outright failing to make ends meet. And I was refusing to get a regular job because I knew I'd make money through art instead. If you think this is a psychopath mentality, then I welcome you to listen to the full scope of how that situation went in episode number four. Spoiler alert, ended up working out (laughs) partially because I ended up offering custom artwork again and partially because I started working under another artist at the Renaissance Festival. And we're going to focus on that second bit. So, I was desperate enough for cash that I wasn't willing to get a regular job, but I was willing to work under another artist. It was a job, but it was seasonal, it was extremely art-related, and I was perfectly experienced for the position. I knew how to run an art show like the back of my hand, and I could definitely do it for somebody else, no problem. And this is where networking starts to play a role. So this is the topic of the day, and I want to weave this into the story so that you get how important it really is. See, the only reason I got that gig is because I knew somebody. And like I've said before, especially if you're on my email list, you've heard this before, you never know who that somebody is going to be. It could be anybody that you know, which is why you have to be the artist that people think of when they need a creative person for something. So I was the creative person that Robert thought of when he saw a Facebook post from Alwyn saying, hey, we need someone to work the booth this season. He gave me a simple heads-up DM about it, and I immediately sent an email to Alwyn saying I was interested. So Robert was the somebody who I ended up knowing that hooked me up with the gig. But I would have never expected that it would have been him, right? So Robert was a guy I met while working at a different job years and years earlier. While I was still in college, it was a summer job. I used to do paint for motorcycles at this local custom motorcycle shop in Dearborn Heights. It was a cool gig. Spraying automotive paint is really badass, but anyways, Robert was the guy who worked at the parts shop down the road. And my boyfriend, who also worked there as a mechanic, would always be the one to drive over to the parts shop to pick stuff up. And he makes friends with everybody. So naturally, Robert started coming by the shop for lunch, coming to the house to party, and etc. Never would I have ever thought that he'd be the one to tip me off to this renaissance festival shenanigans because he really doesn't even seem the type that would be into that kind of thing in the first place. But who you know could be anyone. And I was the artist he thought of when he saw the job posting. Networking at its finest. So most people, most people think of networking like some fluffy forced relationship where the goal of both parties is just to get something from one another. It's got like a connotation of being a parasite and looking at what others can do for you. But in reality, networking is just naturally making friends and then sometimes knowing people becomes surprisingly useful. And that's it. That's networking. So anyways, I sent in my email and Alwyn, who is the artist Ruth's husband. Ruth is the artist and he's her husband. Um, and he handles all the business side of things like so like the organizing and hiring, etc they're a power couple if I ever met one. But Alman called me and left me a voicemail. And I called him back and he told me, wow, you're the only one out of at least a dozen people who called me back. So I guess you're hired. (laughs) Which if you listen to episode four, throwback again, you know I'm a huge fan of looking for signs from the universe. And when I see the signs, I follow them. And I take this very seriously. And that, to me, Definitely sounded like a bright flashing sign saying, This gig is for you. (laughs) So suddenly I wasn't dreading getting a job or doing a job or working for someone else. Like I was so hardly resisting. Um, I was excited for it instead. So this was a huge tone shift. It was really nice. And off I went. I worked that first season and everything went great. Of course, I was a natural. I worked the booth mostly all by myself and never missed a day. At the end of the season, Ruth and Elman asked me if I wanted to work the festival for them in other states. They knew I had bought the RV that spring, and they knew I was good for the job, so I said yes. I had truly been wanting to travel in the RV already, but didn't really know how I was going to pull it off, so I was kind of just hoping that it would happen, and this is just how it ended up happening. Getting a few patches of guaranteed income along the road trip meant that I was sold, So long story short, I traveled a few other states first and then started the Arizona Renaissance Festival with them in February and March. And then I worked Scarborough in Texas that April and May. And all the while I was working under them, I learned an incredible amount about the festivals and how they're all run, about art business in a festival setting, about traveling with your business, and tons more. I recognize that the dedication people had to the festival and the benefits that brings as well, which is a huge, huge selling piece for me actually going ahead and buying the business because I know the value that community brings and the value that a dedicated fan base brings. And I also got to see what it's like to be an artist who makes literally a thousand dollars an hour. Not exaggerating. It really normalized the phenomenon of being an artist who focuses on art Outsources things that you don't want to do and living comfortably all while traveling and having a good time. Talk about next level shit. And don't even get me started on her pristine dark fantasy art style. It's just, wow. Ruth really set a new goalpost for me in a lot of ways, a lot of ways, and gave me clarity on what I want and don't want. I really felt like working for them ended up not just being a gig because I was desperate for money, it ended up being like the apprenticeship of a lifetime. In 2022, when the Renaissance Festival season rolled back around, I knew that I had to work the Michigan show again. Financially, I didn't have to, and my boyfriend had already traveled down to Florida for his job, but I stayed behind because I felt like it was a door that I wanted to keep open. I remembered the sign I had gotten, and I felt like it was more than just a temporary band-aid for my money woes. So I worked it again, this time completely by myself, set up to tear down. The rehearsal season of my dreams, to be honest, I love working solo, so it was really nice. But because I was there by myself, and the guy in the booth next to me also worked his booth by himself, we got to talking a lot. He did it the season before as well, so I kind of already knew him, and we had kind of like a co worker vibe, and we got to know each other a bit. And this character in the story is Jim. Jim, the owner of Tapestry of Ravenstone. And in our second season being next to our neighbors, we'd always sneak over to the other one's booth to hang out when foot traffic was slow. We talked life, business, sales, everything. He's a 77-year-old man with a lifetime of advice to give, and I was absolutely trying to hear it. Towards the middle of the season, though, Jim had some sort of minor health issue that caused him to be closed for an entire weekend. And he ran his whole shop, did his whole business, made his products all by himself. So, I, like, Ruth had somebody like me to run her shop for her, but he didn't have anybody like that. So, when he had the health issues, he had to just close down the shop. And I remember us talking because we talked about everything. We had talked previously to this happening about him maybe hiring some help because he was talking about how he was overwhelmed with the business and everything, but he just didn't want to hire help, I guess. And after he came back, he started talking about maybe wanting to retire. Sales were crazy. He couldn't keep up with the demand and he wasn't getting any younger. And he mentioned selling the business. At first, I told him I wanted the booth, but I didn't want the business. I wanted to do my own artwork, not his tapestries. And that was my pride talking. (laughs) But I think when I said that, he got a bit defensive about his business and really tried to sell me on it. And I really wasn't entirely sold, but it did get me thinking. The numbers were there. The tapestries were incredible. And so what if I sold my artwork alongside famous works of the Renaissance era? It's starting to sound pretty rad the longer I thought about it. Eventually, we exchanged phone numbers. Well, not even. He got my number, but didn't give me his. And he said, this winter, when it's time for me to start sewing and I decide it's time to hang it up, I'll give you a call. And I hung on to those words. He said I was the first on the list to call, but he was offering it to two other interested people as well. Now, the noteworthy part here is, I was the first to call not because i was special or skilled or had the most experience because in fact i had the least experience of any of the other interested parties but it was because i was his closest friend at the festival who was interested making friends matters y'all never would i have thought that this old guy who's run this tapestry art shop for the last 15 years would suddenly be ready to retire and hand his precious baby over to me never you never know who that somebody will be. But I was the one he thought of that January when he decided to hang it up for good. So when I got that voicemail, I was honestly shook, <laughs> which I don't know why. I had been expecting the call and I had actually been thinking about it periodically throughout those months when the season had ended and I was, I was really thinking about it. But I never got his number. So when I clicked the voicemail, I expected it to be spam because it was an unknown number and I get a lot of spam, but it was the furthest thing from spam. Good old Jim was ready to sell me the biz and I was so excited and then suddenly panicked because I did not have tens of thousands of dollars in the bank to just buy a business. So I did not sleep that night at all. I like stayed awake and just stressed about this pretty much all night. In the morning, I drove my boyfriend to the airport because he had some work stuff to do. And then I sat at Coney Island for two hours journaling. I knew I'd have to call and tell him yes, and I had not called him back yet. But I did not have the money. And obviously, I was saying yes, obviously, and I would just figure out the rest afterwards. So I journaled in my notebook. People are going to laugh. If you're not into manifestation, you're going to laugh so bad at me. But I journaled in my notebook, weighs $75,000, comes to me. And then I brainstormed a list of 17 items. 17 is all I could come up with. I really tried. None of the 17 things seemed likely, but it did make me feel better. And looking back, which is really crazy, number two on that list is what actually happened to me. If you ever need a sign to start manifesting and journaling, let this be it. So I got done writing and all hopped up on two pots of coffee. I called him back the rest is history. I wanted to outline this story for you to emphasize how important it is getting to know people. Literally any people around you. Be active in your community. Make friends with people at work. Networking is a key part of every artist's success. And of course it won't happen the same way for you. It'll happen different and more suited to you. It'll be in your life. Obviously, it'll be way fucking different. Maybe it'll be that all of your friends show up to your first exhibition. Maybe it'll be that your aunt's friend gets you a job at the perfect little stained glass shop. Maybe your college roommate will set you up on a date and the date will go badly, but you'll meet a famous artist on their Uber ride home. You just never know how it's going to go. Just get out there and meet people and whenever you can, be that somebody for someone else. If you see an art opportunity and you think it will fit someone, shoot them a quick DM. It could change their life. All right, y'all. That's it for today. There's so much more to say, but I'll save it for another time. I feel like this chapter leading up to this has at least 10 podcast episodes in it. (laughs) So, you will hear about it again. Different facets. I do want to talk about um, the negotiation process of how we brokered our contract during the sale. I want to talk about me figuring out the supply chain of the tapestries because I changed a lot of stuff behind the scenes, etc. We are really going to dive deep into this topic. I think it's going to help some of the more medium level artists out there. Normally, I do speak to beginner artists, which I love, and I will continue to do that obviously, but I want to just share this part of my journey while it's fresh in my mind because I know that people who are at the same level as me can relate and will benefit a lot from hearing somebody else's point of view on it. So, I'm so excited to be gearing up for this new chapter. I'm so excited to see my artwork on tapestries and to be a permanent staple at one of the biggest festivals in the U.S. If you thought this episode was a good one, which it was, (laughs) make sure to share it with your friends. I don't run ads during the podcast for the podcast, and I rely on you guys spreading the word. Make sure to rate and review and share on your socials. All right, that's it for now. Thanks for listening to the Carolyn Whittico Art Podcast, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye!